to work. What's up, buddy? What's up? Here with Jimmy. I prefer to go by Pippi Rage Quit now. <laughs> that was pretty good, actually. Give you credit. I bought you some pink cleats. I used to rock the purple cleats growing up. The early days. This when you wore the uh, what's his name? The eyeliner, the mascara, the mascara. Yeah, Freddie Mercury mascara. Mama. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then the white tea. With a white tank. White tank, tank baby, not tea. You got to show off that armpit hair, man. All right, Freddy. we're gonna start the podcast on that note. What's up? Welcome in to the show. One minute. Look at that energy. I'm your host, Ian Sork, um, Zombie Parano, James Tringali. They're here with me. We're going to talk a little bit about the NCAAs. Um, I don't know what you want to call it. They're, they're shot at trying to, to, to keep that, that thing relevant. It's called a grasp at straws. There we go. Trying to keep control of a unfair system. Um, we might go on some random tangents too, but I want to start with the draft. I think we want to start with the draft specifically, James. And I think like there was a lot of conversation about the draft and how GMs were telling reporters like this thing is not going to go how you expected to. Um, guys are going to get picked in different spots that are going to be again maybe different, just different from what I think was anticipated, and the complete opposite happened. It was almost chalk all the way through. Um, I can be happy that the Bucks picked up maybe the best Oof. offensive lineman prospect that that was in the draft. Tua goes, Tua goes to Miami. Burrow goes one. Before we actually get in, guys, I really want to talk about your team, the Packers, and get your thoughts on it. <laughs> Did you have any takeaways early on, Jimmy, from from that first round? Uh, well, you said no surprises. Were you referring to? That would be a surprise, no. I think you yeah. said there would there would be surprises. I guess I was thinking about like where the top, top. right like the top top guys. I... Yeah, so it was a pretty we we zoomed during it with a bunch of us. It was fun, but it was certainly uneventful for most of it until for those who stayed up, Ian not included, <laughs> and the old guys not included, <laughs> which I guess is redundant. Uh that's where we got our – at pick 26, they actually traded up to get a guy they could have gotten anyway at their slot. Unless – I guess that's the assumption that another team wasn't going to trade up, so we don't have that info. But uh, in terms of my, my pure fan initial reaction, disappointed because we have Aaron Rodgers, who many would argue eh, – you could definitely argue that his uh, stats and output has declined in recent years from pretty lofty heights. Um, but he's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and he's still got some stuff left in the tank. So and he went from healthy. he went from Everest to Kilimanjaro. Isn't what anyway? Yeah. Um, I I, which one's <laughs> which one's taller? Actually, Everest is the tallest peak in the world. You're right. I think you're right. <laughs> it's like 
a couple hundred miles from where I grew up. But so. I think when you look at Kilimanjaro, it's not exactly like a stroll up up the up the hill. Right. You know, that's I mean? my like, that's, that's my not, point. That's a that's a trek. So Green Bay goes goes QB, a mid major QB. Uh, so obviously, if you take that in the first round, and most people have not watched a single down of him playing live football. You're gonna get the Twitter warriors and everybody overreacting. Uh, so, I think most disappointing thing is they didn't really help or support Rodgers, but it seems they're going a completely different, di- di- you know, completely different direction, which is beyond my control or influence, <laughs> whether I agree with it or not. I read multiple things today on Twitter, like. It was like, you know, the headline is it's not Rodgers' team anymore. It's LaFleur's and his system. And it was just a lot about, I mean, which it is. I get it. Because, I mean, LaFleur, in a, in a perfect, in the ideal scenario, outlasts Rodgers. But, like, it was a lot. I mean, the sentiment that I was getting from, like, just seeing initial things was, like, it's about them building a, like, LaFleur's system. And I, I, I don't understand these coaches that are just so headstrong and, and I get it. There's something to be said for having a system in place that works. But when you have like the most, one of the most talented quarterbacks ever, even though he's not what he was five years ago, which, you know, I was arguably a top two or three guy, like adapt, work with them. I mean, cause like you, you came one game away from being in the Super Bowl last year. And I get that those two, like, that team wasn't great, but they still found a way to be there. I just – I don't know. You guys hadn't drafted, what, a skill player in the first round? Offensive skill player. Offensive skill player in the first round. And Can all, I just – All decade. I just – I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't really understand. Can I just say I don't mind that. Like, if I were drafting, just me personally, you don't have to agree with me, I probably wouldn't take skill players in the first round. Unless it's like a can-miss, you know, generational quarterback like Andrew Luck or something or an Aaron Rodgers. I just so that's the thing though is that I just wouldn't teams. draft skill players in the first round. I feel like if you miss on a on a receiver, which is very missable, you know, when you draft these guys, and you waste a first round pick. Whereas if you go get you know the guy you guys picked up in Tampa, the problem that is be good. you can miss on a ton of guys. I mean, look, I I get what you're saying, and I think there's something to that. But this draft has a lot of really really good receivers. Like if you want, right. if you hear the grades though, which is why I'm I, I'm not. I already know where you're going in terms of like the wide out quality. To Zahn's point, there weren't a few. There was, not, there was Julio no Julio. Right. Arguably, no top five, maybe even top ten for extended right. period of time receivers. But a lot of really good, Dean's point, quality. Right. But a lot of them. It, it, we don't know the Packers' grade. It seems like. Even out of the undrafted free agents, because I think they signed another, like, 20 guys, there was one receiver, a Michigan State guy who I've never heard of. And James. So, like, it legit is just not a concern for them. And, and James, if if Rodgers likes, which he's demonstrated, he likes more experienced guys just like Brady does. You know, he doesn't like guys coming out of school. They might still trade for a receiver. But, bro, the – You know, like a good number two. Some of the names are, like – like once, I mean, obviously injuries happen, but the last couple of years, you don't even know some of these guys' names. You're like, who is this dude? And you can tell, I mean, outside, like, 
the best thing that happened yeah. last year, obviously, it wasn't great, but Devontae got hurt and then forced Rodgers to look around and throw right. other guys. Because um, they do have Devontae, it's great. To be fair, I didn't know who Chris Godwin was before this past season. Right. I think he was – I mean, he was the second round. Him. He was a – I didn't know. Ian. I didn't know Chris Godwin. But I think but football – Am football I guys subjected think. to a lot of Tampa Bay Bucks games? But you're right. saying, like, these no-names, like – Alan Lazard, you watch games with me. He's a pretty good receiver. I don't know yeah, if he's a number two on no. a Super Bowl winner, but he's certainly a number three. And maybe and then, if we see him get more action, he is actually right. good enough. Was 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 he going to get drafted at that pick? They had they had to spend that draft pick on him. I mean, you couldn't have gotten him in the second round. Who love? Yeah. No, I think somebody would. I mean, we him. have no idea. And and if you like the guy, especially if it's a quarterback, you gotta take him. I mean, you just if he's there when you you know when your picks available. Well, they did trade out for him, so that's a different. I'm just leaving that piece out of it. But if they suspect that somebody's going to take their guy, they're going to go and get him. And Ian, to James's point, have the Pats won six Super Bowls by going and drafting skill position players in the first few rounds? That's really not what they've done. Like you just get good veterans for those skill positions who can produce on better, you know, on cheaper contracts. And that's how you win. And then you spend on the trenches because that's, you know, that's really what makes the difference. It's definitely far fewer busts for offensive linemen. And I want positions to... like that in the first. Right. Those guys, those guys really don't bust. I also right. don't know how once, I feel about once in a while. comparing everybody else to New England the way they do things because they've obviously, I mean, they're doing something different. I mean, I don't know. I, I get it. I just right, but so I heard somebody say today, which I think made a lot of sense. By drafting one receiver, you weren't converting the Packers' offense to the Kansas City offense, where you have six or seven like all pro dynamic playmakers. So why try? I don't think that's the goal. I don't really like right. That so argument, so so instead of that, why try to do that? Become a strong you know read option team where you can run the ball successfully and have some good veteran receivers that when he needs to throw the ball, he. Again, the point of having an Aaron Rodgers is you don't need to have multiple Julio Joneses to be effective. I understand That's that, the... but they didn't even help their current. They didn't even help like a roster for Aaron Rodgers. They, that's that was my thing. It's like I mean that's fine, but they drafted a guy who's got potential, a lot of upside. But you're again, you're probably not drafting Aaron Rodgers. Like I'm saying, bro. But I, I understand. But this was a, in my opinion, I laughed at it. You weren't there. I laughed at it a lot when it happened in the moment it just seemed really stupid the more i thought about it the more i think it was a smart move smart and I, it just i'm not going to say smart i mean it'd be, it could be a fine move i don't know if it's i think it's way too early right. to determine if it's going to be smart it's also not. way too early to say the things that you've been saying as well right i mean if he's yeah. good it's a smart move Ian, because you have the future right you know like look at the patriots right now i don't think jared stidham's the future and Brady just left. We, we the the thing with the draft, it's it's fun, it's overreaction, right? The thing to take away is not whether you like the, the draft grades. Like ESPN gave no. Kansas City Mahomes a C, right? Right. They gave the Pats a C minus. Ian, it's. I mean, the, you guys haven't been drafting well the past like, few years it's, anyway. It's very easy to yeah. learn. Like it, what we learned is what we all said. You know, you don't have to have twenty twenty vision to see this. Is clearly Lafleur and the GM 
I don't want to say power struggle, but it was them taking it their direction. And right. the clock is now ticking on Aaron Rodgers' time in Green Bay. And as an organization, they've shown that they're fine letting a legendary Hall, future Hall of Fame quarterback walk. And we're right. going to see Aaron Rodgers play in another uniform in either three or four years. So Maybe less. No, still so two years there's, because of the minors. There was some math. I'm just saying, I think next year I saw – I need to go look it up. But that's, I mean, it would have to be after this season, I think. I believe it's after next season. I believe the next two years the cap hit is huge that, to the point where it wouldn't make sense for Green Bay to let him go. Right. Sure. So you, you, you like your – how do you feel about your team's draft design? They traded out of the first round. So, so – everything... <laughs> Was all everything was uh, normal there for a little bit. <laughs> so, so the way the, the way this draft is being described in Boston is the Bill Belichick "fuck you" draft. So basically, he said pretty much "fuck you" to Mel Kiper. He said "fuck you" to all the ESPN analysts, all the Peter Kings of the world. He said "fuck you" to all the Patriots fans who wanted you know big name, big school guy. He, <laughs> we wait for the first. We watch the whole draft in the first day. Bill Belichick, smart move, but pisses everybody off. Draft trades a first round pick for, you know, a second and a third. It's probably a good move in this draft. But then uses that second round pick to draft a, a guy out of D two <laughs> who not many people have heard of, who he could have probably gotten with that third round pick. Shit. Um, probably way, way down to the tone pole. I mean I mean And it's it was the ultimate Bill Belichick. I'm going to trust my gut over, you know, what the expectations are, what the consensus is. It was extremely contrarian. Now, again, it could be a great draft. It could be a bad draft. To James's point, none of us know that. But what we do know is Bill Belichick's trying to show the world that, look, I don't need Tom Brady. I've got steady. I don't need to draft another quarterback or bring in a Cam Newton. Steady. I'm not going to draft – Hold on, can we That's stop? What, he... what the hell was that? Stiddy? What? Yeah, he's called Stiddy now. Who calls him that? Belichick calls him Stiddy. Where? When? <laughs> what the hell did it work? He's the the rumors are the Bel- that Belichick calls him Stiddy. I'm not kidding. Boston sports is a trip. I can see them because they're very, like, anti-ESPN, <laughs> so I'm sure that's what they're saying uh, in Boston radio. I just, that, that's really? not surprising. Um Anyway, my, my point is this was a classic Bill Belichick just saying fuck you to the fans, the owner, Mel Kiper, and the whole lot. So what's and the just, angle? You think, like, what do you think they're going to do? I have no idea. I have no idea. Look, none of these guys he drafted are, are finished products. So, I mean, it's clearly a rebuild, right? Um, so, you know, we're at least a couple of years away from seeing if these guys were bust or not. We're, you know, probably two years away from that. Listen to this, guys. He drafted up. He gave up both his six-round picks to move up five spots and draft a tight end that would have probably gone undrafted from West Virginia. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, <laughs> it's something else. No, it is I mean, watching him My draft thing, is though, something is like, else. I don't know. This is – I'm thinking about this kind of on the fly. And I've, I thought about it last night too a little bit. It's like rebuilds, especially – I mean, you could probably apply this to the NBA, the NFL. It's like the concept of it. How often, like, does a, even a successful rebuild net, like, a like a positive outcome in this instance would be a Super Bowl? Like, you look at a team like the Jaguars. 
they they right. drafted multiple first round picks year after year and hit multiple times on guys right. that were really good. They had one shot to go to the Super Bowl and that was it. That was it. Right? I mean the Rams didn't really I guess the Rams in a sense did rebuild. I'm kind of I don't, I don't know. I mean they drafted Donald, right? They drafted right. Goff. They had like they had their shot. And so like, I don't know, I'm thinking about the concept of rebuilding and like and that's my thing I guess with the Packers too is like you're going to look for the future, get your guy. I just the the odds and it could you know, it could work out, right? And I don't know and we don't know enough to to go either way on this. It's just like you really how many you're not like we're not going to see a, a a Pats type dynasty again like that. Like you're really going to get one shot, two shots maybe if you're good. Right. So I don't know. Like, I, a full rebuild I mean, to Ian, me is. I mean, Ian, this the squad we have was built. To... I'm not even talking about the Pats in general. I'm just talking about right. the concept of it across the NFL, and right. it could probably apply to other sports too. Right. I mean, look, the the squad we had was older. James, what was the average age of the Pat squad? You told me it was like 29 or something. Yeah. I mean, you have to rebuild that team. I mean, there are pieces you keep. But, you know, the Cal- Kyle Van Noyes, the Jamie Collins, I mean, he's let them walk. Yeah, that's Belichick, you know. He's not going to keep you a, l- a year too long. Go get paid in Detroit or, you know, one of Belichick's lackeys will give you a good contract, and that's pretty much – he's a walk it off. I'm going to draft a kid. Out of the quarterbacks, what situation do you like – like, what quarterback situation do you like the best? I like them all. Yeah. We're talking about the, yeah. the guys who won the first yeah. round. Yeah, the guys at the top. I mean, Love gets to go to Green Bay, organization that look. I mean, how could they not love their quarterbacks? But clearly, he's going to go to a coach and a GM who really wanted him. Right. Right. And they believe he fits their system, whatever, you know, the system afterwards. Whether Rodgers tutors him or not, he's going to be around the guy. 24-7 for, for eight months, right? So, obviously, plus for him. Burrow, Ohio guy, number one overall pick. I mean, how do you write that? Two to Miami. Seems like the best coach that's left, Bill. Owner that's willing to spend money. They overachieved last year. Went and got him a couple offensive tackles as well. Right. And then uh, Herbert, I guess, was a lifelong Chargers fan, and he's a West Coast guy, and he doesn't have the pressure. They have Tyrod Taylor, who's probably going to start this year. So that's fair. Pretty, pretty good. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I, would, I, I, I wouldn't be able to grade him, but I think for all four guys, you got to be pretty happy. And I would add uh, Ethan to that mix. Going to, uh, I, I believe it was the Colts, right? I think. Oh, they got yeah. that wrong. No, I think you're right. And then from, yeah. I mean, after like Buffalo, by Buffalo. I look. I the reason why I say Easton because he can sit behind Philip Rivers. You know, he's clearly not refined, and he has a big arm. I mean, I feel like that's a good place for those characteristics. It's a good organization. You know, if he yeah, learns good and gets better, good offensive line, a lot of right. speed, weak, right? weak, weak yeah. division. Weak division. It's like listening to like Ian's point about the draft, and like is on 
I've had two conversations with him about the Pats suck at drafting. It's like, all right, dude, like they've won six Super Bowls. Be all right, man. Like, yeah. What's more important? I mean, you think of like I guess it'd be interesting to see how many take this view or like like Ian said, they're just looking for guys that fit their system. Right. Rather than take perhaps the best guy or if you already have the best guy, build something around him. But it, it would be interesting to know like how many guys look at the teams that have won in this era. Right. So you have the Pats, six of the last twenty. Unique combo of coach really, really good defenses the years they win and a quarterback who's vastly underpaid. Like yep. you're probably not gonna recreate that one. To Ian's point, like probably no, not having the pats because you you're not gonna get that. Right. But you can get the really good defense thing. We've seen that win Super Bowls. You know, my, my Bucks. The Ra- drafted the Bucks, those guys. The Ravens multiple times. The Ravens. Yeah. Um, the elite quarterbacks that have a good enough defense. That's probably the most common way to do it. Candidly, you have a defense that's just just good enough, and you have a really good quarterback. Yeah. And then the Eagles are probably an outlier of all of those. I don't. Even, I wouldn't even know what bucket you would put them in. So, you know, in terms of the Green Bay move to go back to that, like if you think loves that guy and fits your specific system, that'll be what you're graded on. But right, it's interesting. No, definitely. Do you guys want to pivot to the uh, NCAA? Talk Dude. about our favorite. Our favorite organization. I don't think Zahn ever listened to it. Me and Ian did like a two-hour one on this like three years ago. Yeah, we did. Well, so I mean, I'm sure I would appreciate they're, it. They're finally going to let guys, it seems like, for the 2021 season, um, be able to make money off of their likeness, their image, social media, um, from what I've read, right? And I think this is in response to, well, obviously, coronavirus and the fact that you might even not have a college basketball or football season this coming fall and spring. And then the fact that the NBA is really trying to um, make their mark like on really early player development and, and getting these guys in sooner rather than later. Um, you've seen two, two multiple guys have now said they're going to go to the G League. One kid's going to make like I think almost half a million dollars. Another signing one bonus signing bonus. Here. Another signing bonus was 300k, which like you look if you're if you're coming out of high school and it's like that's it's that or go go party or go you know go go on, go on some campus for eight months then um, I get it just get in get in there early so I feel like this was probably at least the move by the NCAA um, about time I think it took long enough maybe a little bit late on their part any thoughts Jimmy? Zahn, Zahn had quite a bit of thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, I was I was more speaking about, you know, how players are looking at alternate routes outside of the NCAA. Sure. And I think that's a really good thing. Bear with me for the NCAA. In my opinion, I think we've gotten to a point where, at least for me, I don't know if everyone feels like this. It's a very personal opinion. Um, when I watch March Madness every year, you know how there's like one guy on each team you follow? 
they're gone the next year. Right. I would love to see, you know, like the old style where you have guys who aren't necessarily, you know, second year, like, you know, one and done guys who stay at the school for four years, who build team chemistry. Like, I would actually really like to see that, at least on the basketball side. Like, I think that will be good for the NCAA in the long run. Even though initially, yes, you're not going to have the big, you know, payday for a Zion on a, on an ESPN Saturday night. But I think March Madness will be a lot more interesting. I think there's something to that because I do think there is an element of like, I mean, the, it was there a little bit when we were really young, but even the one and dones like in the '90s and those were relatively pre- prevalent. Um, sure. We were young, so like, but there was more instances of guys staying two and three years, so you did feel like you like got to know them a little bit right. better. Um, I don't know. It's just more fun I don't know how to much follow a team. Sway like the top end guys, like those guys, the type of money they're going to make on that rookie contract and just being in the league. I don't, I don't think that's going to like persuade those guys to to stay two or three right. years. No, you know? I'm saying I'm saying let them go, let them go, let the one and done's let them go straight to the league. This is America. If they have the talent to play in the NBA, why the hell is anyone telling them they can't? Yeah, I I don't think that in my opinion the NCAA is not going anywhere because it's yeah, of course not. it's so deeply in like our system of how kids become professional athletes is so different from Europe, for example. Right, right, and that's not like the amount of time it would take for say the NFL to start up academies in their regions and right. like do that whole thing. So then you're attacking high right. school football, like yeah, high school football. So like, if we're great. specifically talking about the NBA and college basketball, I yes, that was more, which is probably was... the focus. Cause a lot of the other sports are just carried by football and some schools basketball. Right. Um, so I, I doubt any of those other sports athletes are really going to start now making money off of their likeness. Um, no. So with basketball, really, and I don't think this is recency bias, other than Zion, the schools are the biggest name. Agreed. Like, even in this one and done era, it was Kentucky. It was Duke. Other than Zion. Like, he, he just transcended. Like, he was his right. own show. And the fact that he just happened to choose Duke. Like, yeah. it, 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 wherever he went, he was going to be the biggest story. Um, yep. And perhaps Duke even helped that, which would be a case for guys going to school for a year. But to his honest point, right. people tune into March Madness for the names, the betting, you know, getting off work two Thursdays and Fridays in March and, you know, eating wings and watching a bunch of games and blah, blah, blah that whole thing. Right. And perhaps the quality of it does go up. And like you both said, like you actually see these guys more than one time um, and you can kind of get behind it. So from that aspect, I don't think it hurts basketball at all. Yeah. Which, which begs the question, James, why they, for, you know, why didn't they, why did they keep this one and done rule for that long? Probably, I mean, more than anything, probably a power grab, right? Or they, they thought it would be bad for their business. Right. Um, and look, we, we, you know, 
Look, I don't know if Ian's completely on board with how we feel about it, but we could be totally wrong. I just, like, to think all the top guys in every single class are going to start doing this G League thing or go straight to the NBA. No. I That would surprise me more than, like, this hurting college basketball. Right. But don't you think the system makes more sense for the guaranteed – NBA rookie contract guys like let me let me put it like this if I'm a young athlete and you know say a top 50 prospect in high school or top 40 or 30 and I know you know I've spoken to organizations or people interested in me and it's like I would rather go play professionally for one year it's instead of worrying about college because that's not what I'm doing for a living you know doing one year of college doesn't do anything for you you just do your core curriculum your basic classes i would much rather just go and focus on my craft which is my money maker which is basketball completely it just makes more sense to me no it definitely does i mean and i i'm cool with guys going um i think that there's going to be a lot of guys who are like oh i don't know if i'm i mean i, I also think they're going to have this g league as a transition so you're not going to have dudes you're not going to have a lot of dudes going like lebron from senior year you're in high school to the following year, you know, you're, you're out there, you know, at first whistle and you're, and you're running against, you know, the best players in the world. So I don't, I don't think most guys have the ability to do that. Um, I also think you'll probably have a lot of guys up front who think that they're, I, I think it's going to even itself out where you probably have a lot of kids who come out and they're going to try their best to, you know, just go past college, see if they can go straight to the pros realize that they're maybe not good enough. And I think over time it'll, it'll balance itself out where you'll, you'll probably have a few outliers, a couple of kids every year who are like, look, you're good enough to do it. And then you're going to have a, another subset of kids that are, you got to go to school for at least one to two years. So right. I think the best, right. Just knowing how the three of us feel about most things, the, the, the fact that there's choice, choice. which yeah. it's not like there was like you could go overseas, but no, I there's... think the NBA wants to keep guys here, um, at least American kids here. Is to Ian's point, just listening to him talk, like there's it's going to even out. There's nature versus nurture. Like for some guys, or probably nine times out of ten, if they're going to be a flop, they're probably going to be a flop, whether they go D League, G League, college, right, or straight to the league. And then there's some guys who. Right depending on, you know, whatever decision they make, they're going to they're gonna end up making it just because of, like, who they are. So you're going to have right. families and kids who grew up wanting to go to XYZ school. And even if they're the number one recruit, maybe they still decide to do that, right? I mean, No, definitely. I mean, I was, you... Like, when you're talking, I'm thinking of Melo and LeBron. Arguably, Melo should have won the rookie of the year. LeBron, arguably the greatest 18-year-old ever. Right in terms of just walking into the league and yeah, putting being up the ready, he did, and Melo only being a year older, being right up there with him, but he chose to go to Syracuse for a year and balled out and won that. You know, so it's like at least the the beauty of it is, I think it's a step in the right direction, and kids have the choice. No, right. it'd be good. I mean, and you do hear some of these like sometimes these guys like Zion. He's like, man, I loved it. Right. Like, like part of them wanted to stay and I'm sure part of them did want to stay. So, no, I, I think guys sometimes like the experience, too. I didn't hate them. And they have the I choice. Tatum said that recently as well. Again, you know, like now that they're in the league, you don't know if they're blown. But like, there's no 
you know, I don't know, maybe they're saying it for K, but I don't know how that helps them. But I'm pretty sure Tatum said the same right. thing recently that he actually he personally wanted to stay another year. I'm sure. Yeah, because for you guys. Like, you get comfortable. Like, there's there's a certain level of comfort. You, you're playing for this big program, college pro. Like, I'd say it's. I mean, it's everything's on a national stage, but like you're playing in Cameron Indoor, which is a small, small arena. It's kind of like a, it's not a high school feel, but it, like you're playing against kids that are like they do play at a lot of they do they do on a lot of neutral site NBA arenas. Yeah, that's fair. but I know I mean they're the big man on campus. That too. And for for Zion above all else, him going to Duke attributed to his stock rising absurd amount. We, and you're also like 19. You're like 19 years old. And you, it's like you're you're still a teenager. You're a kid. Like you're, most 19-year-olds are not ready to go and be adults because that's basically what you're – I mean, you're getting thrown into a man's league. You're traveling. Um, you know, everything gets very real, right? You grow up pretty quickly. I mean, a lot of these guys are, are equipped for Or they it. break. Or they break, but a lot of these a lot of these kids are like ready for. But that's where their support so. system needed to know. Right. What's the best move for them? Question, question for you guys: If if a guy goes to the G League, right, and he's not as good as he thinks he was, they are paying for their education. I don't know if they can go back and just go like. That's that. That would be my question. Wouldn't it be the NCAA's best interest? To allow them to come back on a scholarship, but they don't. If, though it's the same if, thing for football. Like they don't right. allow. Like, I would say for every year, like I don't think you get to do that. And yes, you get four years of eligibility. Yes, so that's like, what I was just about to say. If you go to the G League for so, two years, you can play for two years. Yes, you, if the yes. NBA is paying for your school, regardless, just you know, those last two years you're not playing ball. They should do the same thing for football too. Though. Like, if I'm so. Like, with you, yeah. James. That is what you, exactly what I was going to say. Because there are no 18 or 19-year-olds that should be in the NFL. Or if a guy like – let me ask this. If a guy declares he doesn't get drafted where he wants, should he be allowed to go back if he wanted to? If he doesn't get drafted where he wants or if he didn't get drafted? Drafted. Let's just say he doesn't get yeah. drafted. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let them come back. I, I don't get why this has to be a – I mean, that's just wrong. Right? It's like they're testing the labor market. You should be allowed to do that. If anything, it shouldn't be the NCAA. It should be the coaches. Because you do kind of put coaches in a bind if the kid's flirting with the NFL. That's fair. Right. Or he's flirting with the NBA. NBA I mean, either. I mean, NBA, I would say college basketball, it's even harder because smaller team. Right. Um, so many options. I mean, so you you – you guys are right. I mean, it should not be the NCAA's choice. It should be the school. And that way, right. the kid, you know, if Alabama, for example, whatever they're. Right. Junior and the kid could go to another who, school, James. You know, wants to test the waters if he's a second round pick or whatever. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going down a rabbit hole, but for sure, it should be up to the school and the player rather than the NCAA. Tough. Right, and J- James, couldn't they just go to another school? That's what I was like. Say, say your coach says. That's, right. that's where it's like, if it's up to the school, then it's up to the kid. Like, hey, coach, I'm thinking about doing this. All right, you know, I'm not going to get in the way of you doing that, but you just need to know I need to move on. Right. But unless it's like a position that they're deep at, you know, and then it's 
I don't think it should be held against them, but that's all for them to figure out right. rather than the NCAA. Right. Coach's decision. For sure. So. I'm with you on that. UFO talk? Aliens? Government just released <laughs> three videos? Do you guys want to go there? I got swept under <laughs> real quick. We don't have to do that. I just real making quick. a joke. I have a personal interest, but we don't have to go there. Did you want to talk about – I mean, was there anything else you want to talk about AMC and how they decided to just cut Universal movies? Right. When it, I don't even know. Like, can, can I just say something? Remember how I told you guys I don't believe Sony and Disney won't work out a deal and they didn't? This is, gonna, I, I, this is yeah, not going to happen. No it can't happen. It, it, both sides lose. Like, it's a simple game theory equation. Like, it's a lose. How lose. Shitty it doesn't those, make any sense. For those couple months when it was like, they, Spider-Man's <laughs> gone. We were so pissed. Terrible. It will be big picture lose-lose. I'm, I'm with you 100% is on. But perhaps there are releases where I think Universal's point was like, we're still going to explore big theater release simultaneous with releasing it so people can stream it. Right, it, like at least the studios, right? And candidly, the studios, I think, based on what I've read in the past, specifically Disney, which is you know, yeah, charge story out their ass in terms of how much yep. bargaining power they have. Um, yeah, they, they own this theater, right? The they studios walk into the theater saying, yeah. so like, if AMC doesn't want to show Universal, I, I don't. <sighs> Look, there's plenty of other theater. Like, I prefer AMC because it's right down the road and they have Dolby and, you know, everything's nice. Blah, it's going to be an blah. AMC. But I mean, there's. I've been. To but we drive, can drive to the Regal exactly, with the leather. I've been to many know. other theaters. So, like, if they're not going to show James Bond, I'm still going to go see James Bond. But AMC right. wanted. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> so, so this is never. This cannot be a win at all for AMC, right? Like, this is just. There's no, there's no right, right I, yeah. situation. I mean, they don't own the content. So, like, if Universal finds theaters that are going to take the theater money, which for the studios, I think they're saying, like, with Trolls, they keep 80% of that, whereas in the theaters, they keep, like, 50 And this right. is all, like, negotiated, which is why I was saying, like, Disney has higher cuts, you know, especially for right. the, you know, the Avengers movies, et cetera, et cetera, where they keep more than 50%. But on average... For right. like Trolls World Tour, fifty percent is what they would keep if they went right. theaters. I do think it's like it's in it's it's a little too early to or too little too early as far as what we know, because like this movie was released a month, two months into this unprecedented times. So like I don't think you're gonna get that same result every time you put a movie out to streaming. Right, but let let me say this. Um, you know, obviously the success of Netflix and other streaming services. I think that theaters need to be more afraid than they are. Because you can make a movie like The Irishman, which is, you know, a big blockbuster, high budget, and it's still profitable. And they never had to deal with, you know, contract negotiations. Theaters, with, uh, theaters are very afraid. With theaters. I mean, they, they, but you can't afford if you're okay, AMC you're, to AMC, start doing yes, stuff like this. AMC is a big this. player, but 
theaters are very theaters are terrified they're upgrading constantly they're they know that they're not competing with people's you know they're competing with everything sports games people staying right. at home now it, it like it's an event you have some discount right. players you know tuesday nights or whatever in the local theaters but like theaters are terrified so i wouldn't say like amc's right. open letter is a signifies how the theater is uh, how the industry as a whole feels about this. Right. But, but James, what I'm saying is even a big player like AMC shouldn't be going on the offensive like that. I'm just you know, like, correcting you because you're talking about the whole industry. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. They are, they are terrified, but I, I just feel like AMC, sh- you can't throw away universal movies, man. I mean, some of them are the biggest blockbusters outside of Disney that there are like, they're really alongside Disney. Do you think that we should be worried about in what theaters they... in general with coronavirus? Like, will that industry even make it? The industry will make it, but they'll be downsizing. Like, I really hope we don't lose. Like, I hope the AMC that's going to be in walking distance of our apartment is still up. That would be tough. Just, it's just something. Look, personal. Ian, we'll never have a point in our lives when there aren't theaters. It's just a matter of how yeah. many. Right? Because there will always be the experience cannot be generated at home. I don't care how much money you have. You just don't have the space for that, you know, the level of ambiance and, and audio. It is a better product than sitting in your living room and watching it. I mean, there'll always be a place for it. The question is how much, because, you know, a lot of these bigger players, you know, the non-indie ones, I mean, they're going to have to keep downsizing. you. Definitely. Now the experience is next level. We watched them. We saw The Force Awakens start at The Force Awakens like five years ago. Um, we saw, <laughs> saw the rise of Skywalker in Tampa. And when the ships popped out of the ice, it felt like the fucking theater was actually going to just fall <laughs> on us. Like, I was like, whoa, what is that? I yeah. mean, it's, no, so you're completely right. And I, I wasn't a big theater guy. And then I moved here, James big in a movie so we started going and the next thing i know i got a i got a i'm a member amc so it's personal stake so don't don't screw with us amc come on figure it out yeah figure it out it's like retail in my opinion it's just a matter of how many you know like how strong they can keep the experience like how you know how much they can retain it's a fascinating industry to read about i don't know why it's featured so often in like bloomberg and stuff but like a lot of like the niche 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 uh part of that industry there's some there's a i think they're backed by a private equity firm but theater like they do pretty much everything like they'll show old stuff they'll do like live stuff like nfl game you know they like literally because they think about it and this you know completely unrelated but like a lot of these for example whatever balmer is going to build for the Clippers and new arena. what Kroenke did for the Rams. Like they're yes, they're sports teams, but like they actually make more the bang for the buck for them. The owner of venues is music, music venues. Yeah. Right. So like perhaps that is somewhere. I mean, AMC theaters and like Regal and the big guys probably aren't fitted for that. But like, I think we watched Black Panther at more of a niche Angelica. Yeah. And that was a great experience. It was. It the was. tech isn't as great as AMC's, but like if you wanted to have a nice meal there or a, a freaking espresso a with beer, your movie, like, yeah. um, you had those options. So like 
Hey, guys, in India, in the leather, like in the nice leather theaters, you can pay like pretty much double or triple the the normal price. And then they have a butler who can come and serve you while you watch your movie. Next Wouldn't be surprised if that's home. a thing What's in the best? U.S. What is that? Cobb back Cobb, home. That's right. No, it's a great point. It's like they can, instead of just having like, for example, the Dolby, the whole thing's upgraded, right? Not not people delivering to your seat. Some AMCs do that. But you actually have like a two-tier theater. So the one back home, one of them, regular seats down below, normal price, whatever. Right. And then up above is where you can actually, I've never done it, but I think it's like, you have an actual table, blah, blah, blah. Like sure. the opera. Correct. Like the opera. So, like, you have a two-tiered system where the people who want to pay less and sit in the normal seat go down low and pay less. Coaching business. The people baby. who are there for the whole shebang pay more. Yeah. Absolutely. And, hey, I wouldn't mind uh, drinking a little bubbly with my next Marvel movie. That's I'll tell you uh, what, th- That's got... what they call Mark. I modern sheet, guys. Go, modern I sheet. don't want to go to the movies unless I'm sitting in the leather chair and I can recline that bitch. Like, I just don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. I just and don't for the listeners, go, Ian, Ian actually doesn't like sitting next to us either. He'll disappear no, to the back of the I, theater. Yeah, you're right. I prefer the top further <laughs> in the back. We go a little bit too up close, and the screen is just – it's bigger than a normal, like, movie screen. So it is just, like, there's so much going on. I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I just prefer to sit a little farther back. And then even the top row, like, it's probably a little bit much. And I get it, like, you know, you're a weirdo <laughs> sitting in the top row, but, like, maybe find that, like, that next row. Yeah. So. Ian, just, Ian just does that so you can see which high schoolers are making out downstairs. <laughs> I don't think so. No. That <laughs> <laughs> caught you. Yeah. But that's the sentiment, right? I mean, that's why they're going the way that they're going. Like the the nasty, crappy right. theaters are like gonna be in college towns and rural areas. I guess. I mean, not to like, not to yeah. generalize, but people that live in nice areas 100% feel the same way that you know what Ian just said so the yeah. price is only going to go up which means it's more and more likely just going to be blockbuster movies in the theaters as it should i mean i can watch an indie chick flick at home it's, right. it's, i mean that's naturally the experience where is not that different go. or you start you know they could use something like dynamic pricing where for the big blockbusters you charge right. more and for the indie flicks you charge less. Like, Right. And we also as consumers have the choice to go on a Tuesday and watch the blockbuster for less than on a Friday. So this right. is very complex. Right. I mean, they had a good they had a good idea with 3D. I just think they executed it badly. I, I, I don't think you should use the glasses. Just make the, the theaters 4K and have like a dynamic Dolby experience. It really makes it so much better. Oh, yeah, I never tried it. You get more bang for your buck. But what what I mean is you have to make the experience something that cannot be replaced right. at home. So you have to keep upgrading the technology and, you know, the virtual components of the experience to make sure that they can just receive the same sound quality, you know, in, in Joe Schmo's living room. I don't, you, you would really impress me if you could recreate the Dolby cinema effect at home. I'm sure you can't, which is why, which is why the Dolby is fantastic. Who comes close. It's so, it's so good too. And you can, 
clearly tell the difference because we saw, I mean, almost every movie we see when we go to the theater is in Dolby. And we saw, I can't remember which one it was, but then you go sit in that regular, regular ass seat and the screen is not as clear <laughs> and it's just not the same experience. And you can like distinctly no, tell, it's, it's like, this is not it. Like your chairs, like, no. you know, your armrests are like, they're kind of half-assed. You can't go back. Everyone's it's super interesting. close. It's just different. The, I, the IMAX, which I think visually is just as good as the Dolby, I think. Yeah, I'm bougie, too. Um, so that's, that's all. It's fun. interesting. The IMAX theater doesn't have the nice seats, though. No. At ours. Right. So it's like, how are those decisions made? Because, like, why wouldn't you want that in the IMAX theater as well? Right. Yeah, they need to upgrade that theater. No, they're newer, like, thinner, nice chairs, but they don't lean back. It's interesting. We usually go see it in Dolby, so I don't know if you guys have ever gone to the IMAX one. Yeah, we've don't. seen it. In, you've yeah. seen the movie in IMAX. So. I mean, it must have been some data-driven decision by the, you know, by AMC. Sure, there's something to it. So, so now we do UFOs? <laughs> I don't have. I'm know. interested to hear yeah. this guy, Mister. Everything can be explained. I mean, dude, my my take on UFOs is the same as Neil deGrasse Tyson's. You can't deny. Okay, we're not that we don't know what those are. UFOs. The fact that the Pentagon released. What do you ask? What do you think? Oh, they should. Why the hell did they not release it? One of those stories, I mean, what some of that video comes from the podcast that you watched with Commander Fraber and Joe Rogan. It, so, I mean, yeah, that's, no. That story's right. been out. I have i didn't even bother reading that stuff because I saw that video long ago. Yeah. Um, right. You, you know, uh, uh, the the previous, the former lead singer of, uh, of Blink-182, Tom DeLounge, um, is a major UFO nut, and he was, his organization is what, kept pressing the Pentagon to release the video, the videos. <laughs> he actually left Rink-182 because he wanted to UFO chase. See, that's the thing about UFOs. Which is that- there's so many people that just go, so many crazy people out there that just kill, yeah. because there are it's like Sasquatch, man. very legitimate sightings. Like, um, I was listening to a recent podcast, and if you go and do research on it, it's it's pretty legitimate. Chicago, Chicago, O'Hare O'Hare Airport, uh, 2006, Terminal C. There was a there was a UFO that basically dropped dropped down just above the terminal. Terminal, and everybody saw it. People that were working with there that saw it. A pilot got a picture of it, but it's this is like 06, so the camera work on the phones wasn't exactly top end. Um, people right. that were um, driving on the road leading the airport were actually they actually got out of their car and looked at it. And it was just sitting there for right. a few minutes, and then it popped up into the sky and left literally an O into the sky. It just went straight up. And the uh, the government described it as a um, some sort of weather phenomena. So like that's so like like there's actually right. some legitimate ones, but unfortunately there's just so many so, kooks that right. I think. So here's the thing about UFOs: people keep forgetting that UFOs don't have to be alien Mister? spacecraft. They're unidentified flying objects. So you can't just go from I have no evidence that this is alien to saying it's alien because I here's don't know the, what here's it is. Here's what here's what gets me though is that like when you have like when you have guys in the Air Force and you guys have, you have pilots, you have really smart guys, and then you have even scientists that talk about like the way that they, these things move when they see them. 
it's not anything that anyone like like it's not it's not physically right. possible like that that we know of, right so it's like that's right. the stuff that i think i take more seriously is when you have like an air force commander who's like yeah whatever that was that wasn't from here like that to me is right. different than some somebody who saw something on the side of the road right in, in, right. in a metropolitan city but but the sad thing is, the sad thing ian is the more obvious or if you look at the probability sure. equation the more obvious explanation usually is a weather phenomenon you know i mean so i don't know neil degrasse tyson doesn't know we don't know but it's 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 a fun thing have to you just seen the, watch. have you seen those you know, videos like, have you actually looked at them or no yeah yeah absolutely i mean they were cr- no, crazy absolutely. right um but but here's my point um as someone who studies astronomy i'm going to drop some astronomy knowledge um on this on this pod which what i wasn't expecting to do phenomenon? but yeah no lots of weather phenomenon. i mean sure I mean, but i mean the phoenix uh remember the phoenix lights or whatever that was that was eventually explained as a, as a weather phenomenon I believe it's pretty much confirmed at this point that it wasn't. I'm not saying that there isn't, you know, this isn't Chinese space. Like, right. Let me put it like this. Let, let me put it like this. If if there are species that are capable of tra- of traveling galactically to us, considering the you know the solar system definitely not inhabited, so they're coming from a different solar system, which is at least about four light years away which is the closest, Alpha Centauri is the closest other star to, to the Earth. If they had the technology to do that in one lifetime, if they wanted us dead, we'd be dead immediately. Well, I don't like, even... Do, do you think about how difficult like, that technology about, like, is? And stuff like that. I don't, I, I don't even... I, I'm more so, like, have right. they been here? Because, I mean, like, you start going down that, that rabbit hole, and then you could we could sit here and have a conversation about this and get stoned and talk right. about this for an hour. And this, I guess this conversation can go so many but, ways. Right. Right. But just think about, just think about how insane that technology no, is. No, 100%. Right. Like it, it would be un, like nothing we've, we're even dreaming of on earth at so this like, point. In our the only thing I can point to, and I don't know if you've listened to this or if you, you might, you might be familiar with the Bob Lazar story. But it, like he did, he's done a couple interviews. He's had a pretty consistent story over the last forty years that he was working on some propulsion system um, over in Nevada. Like S four is actually the name of the place. Right. It's, it's on the campus of Area fifty one, right? So like that's and apparently the technology of whatever he was working on was so advanced that it could like create. Get, I'm not I'm not an expert on this area, so I'm going to butcher it. But like that's the only right. thing that I can think of is that there is so in. The only, the only logical thought I could have that would, you know, just playing devil's advocate is if we have that technology, we'd probably use it for our passenger craft, et cetera. No, we, we don't. That was it. the thing is like, from what we understand, from what, like, from what I understand from the story, the story goes like there were, they were having scientists work on this thing to try and understand how it works because they didn't understand how it works. And from the way that he describes it, right. it was like something that, it was brought out every 10 years to see like if technology is caught up with it. Right. And that it was almost ancient in the way, like this is, this is how he tells the story. And I, if you're like actually interested in UFOs at all, it's actually a really good interview. It's on Rogan. Um, and you can type in that, like that type that in YouTube and it's a pretty good interview. So like you can go, I mean, right. I, I get it. I, I think the general concept is like, you need evidence and that it's probably more often than not the logical 
Ansible and the prob the probability right, right usually exactly, explainable. It's always right. fun too, and I think I want I it's want fun. them to do it's real a lot too, of fun. So that also helps. So. I don't listen if they have that technology and they were pissed off at us one day that we're done because if these people can travel between solar systems, I think they're I think guys. they're more likely. They're, they're <laughs> we don't want that to be true. They just, they, like they just think we're a bunch of idiots. Like what's going on down here? But well. South Park makes that joke all the time, right? Where the Earth is essentially created by aliens to laugh at, um, as like this idiot planet where people do stupid shit and it's like a reality TV show that galactic uh, life forms watch. It's really sure. funny. It's a good joke. You guys want to touch on anything else? Or do you guys want to get, get, get to uh, playing FIFA? Playing FIFA. <laughs> That's cool. Well, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Hey, it was a good uh, pod. This one, this was, we were all over the place. NFL draft. UFOs, NCAA movie. This is, this is a this is a well-rounded pod, no doubt. So, until next yeah. time.